Blog Talk Radio. Psalm 82, a psalm of Asaph. God standeth in the congregation of the mighty. He judgeth among the gods. How long will ye judge unjustly and accept the persons of the wicked? Selah. Defend the poor and fatherless. Do justice to the afflicted and needy. Deliver the poor and needy. Rid them out of the hand of the wicked. They know not, neither will they understand. They walk on in darkness. All the foundations of the earth are out of course. I have said, Ye are gods, and all of you are children of the Most High. But ye shall die like men, and fall like one of the princes. Arise, O God, judge the earth, for thou shalt inherit all nations. Well, good morning, everyone. This is Kennard speaking. I'm your host for the Merciful Servants of God Biblical Instructional Program. This is going to be an abbreviated version of this program for 30 minutes. I have some local activity that I must attend, so I had to shorten the program. Uh, We're going to talk about Yom Kippur today, uh, the significance of it. But I want to go over some world news right now. Um, I need to to let everyone know that um, some terrible things could be happening here in the next uh, few weeks. Uh, looks like the United States is bent on attacking Syria. And we will know if this is uh, in-time fulfillment of Isaiah chapter 17 or not. Uh, with prophecy, we have to look at the events look at the scriptures that indicate possibly a fulfillment of prophecy, and then we'll see whether or not it is. Instead of being uh, acting like you have the the inside uh, scoop to prophecy, no one has that, basically, unless uh, God comes down to you and talks to you like Moses, you know, which um, I know that he hasn't done that yet, or if he ever will, to me. He hasn't come down and says, this is going to happen on this particular date. So that's why I'm very careful about talking about prophecy and only talk about things that I know the Lord uh, stated would happen and then also his prophets. If they say something that clearly is going to happen, then I have no problem talking about it. Anyway, on World Watch Daily Koenig International News, uh, I suggest that you go ahead and click on his Twitter um, advertisement there, his banner, and check out his Twitter page because he's in Jerusalem right now. Uh, He's anticipating something big could happen. I I can understand why. So, uh, but let's understand something here in Matthew chapter 24. Let's turn to Matthew chapter 24. And watch.org. Matthew chapter 24. starting in verse 4. Actually, wait a minute. Verse 3. Matthew 24, verse 3. This is a good chapter, ladies and gentlemen, to refer to in terms of prophecy. It sums up all the prophecies of the Bible, basically, in this one chapter. Matthew chapter 24, Mark chapter 13, and Luke chapter 21. And then all the rest of the Bible really breaks it down into detail. Anyway, Matthew chapter 24, verse 3, And as he sat upon the Mount of Olives, the disciples came unto him privately. The Mount of Olives is 
across from the Temple Mount in Jerusalem. And he says, again, let me just repeat the, the verse. Um, and as he sat upon the Mount of Olives, so picture the Mount of Olives across from the Temple Mount. The Temple Mount is a structure where the temple was built, but it was destroyed back in A.D. 69 or A.D. 70 uh, by the Romans. And as he sat upon the Mount of Olives, the disciples came unto him privately, saying, Tell us, when shall these things be, and what shall be the sign of thy coming? And of the end of the world. And the end of the world doesn't mean the whole world is going to blow up. It just means that the way we are living in today, the way we are living in the world today will be over. We're going to be living the best way, the most righteous way, which is keeping the Torah or the instructions of God, which when you see the word law in the Bible, that should be translated Torah Hebraically, and it means the instructions and doctrines of, of God. Anyway, verse 4. And Jesus answered, I'm reading this in the King James, and Jesus answered and said unto them, Take heed that no man deceive you or trick you or make you think that you're right when you're wrong. And that is really prevalent in society today. It's even prevalent in uh, people who claim to be believers. And the only way to overcome that is to study the Bible like you mean it every day. It's like you may look at your favorite television program or play your favorite sport. You you have to take the Bible that serious or even more serious. If not, you're going to be deceived. Verse 5, for many shall come in my name, saying, I am the Christ or the Messiah, and shall deceive many. So many means a lot, folks. Many means a lot. It doesn't mean a little portion of the population. Many in Greek means polos, and it means largely, abundant. So so that's the thing that you need to understand, that uh, he will, or the devil, because the devil is the one doing the deceiving, according to Revelation chapter 12, verse 9, he's the one that's doing the deceiving, and he's causing many people to believe that they are found the truth when they're not. Anyway, Matthew 24, verse 6, and you shall hear of wars, and rumors of wars, and rumors in original Greek is akoye, and it means uh, fame, report. And so we're hearing many reports right now as I'm speaking about possibly the United States and possibly France and maybe Britain uh, going and attacking uh, Syria because of their um, incidences of uh, chemical weapons or them using chemical weapons. So that's something that we need to take heed to and be aware of. So uh, I, I need to, I'll be right back, folks.
I'm so sorry about that. I had some issues that I have to take care of here, and I apologize. Um, I know that normally doesn't happen on a radio program, but <laughs> my program is pretty unique. Anyway, all right, let me continue on with what I was trying to say here. All right, in Matthew chapter 24, verse 6, you shall hear of wars and rumors of wars. See that you be not troubled. For all these things must come to pass, but the end is not yet. So we're hearing of, of wars. We're hearing reports of wars um, in the Middle East. So, But we shouldn't be troubled. We shouldn't be alarmed. And in verse 7, eventually all one of these reports are going to be true. It says, For nations shall rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom, and there shall be famines and pestilences and earthquakes in various places around the world. And he says all these are the beginning of sorrows. So that's that's really the period we're in right now, the beginning of sorrows. And we need to pay attention to world events because in Luke chapter 21, he tells us, Luke chapter 21, uh, verse 34, I'm going to read this in the um, 1965 Bible and basic English version for clarity's sake here. Uh, Luke chapter 21, verse 34 in the... Um, 1965 Bible and Basic English Version, Luke 21, verse 34. But give attention to yourselves for fear that your hearts become overfull of the pleasures of food and wine and the cares of this life, and that day may come on you suddenly and take you as in a net. Verse 35. For so it will come on all those who are living on the face of all the earth. But keep watch at all times with prayer that you may be strong enough to come through all these things and take your place before the Son of Man. And this doesn't necessarily mean that uh, you'll be protected all the way until the end uh, physically, uh, because in Isaiah chapter 57, let's let's turn here, Isaiah chapter 57, starting in verse 1, it says, The upright man goes to his death, and no one gives a thought to it, and God-fearing men are taken away, and no one is troubled by it. For, it, for the upright man, I'm reading this in the uh, 1965 Bible and Basic English Version, says, for the upright man is taken away because of evil doing and goes into peace. They are at rest in their last resting places, everyone going straight before him, which is another Bible study. But anyway, so let's let's pay attention to world events and let's let's realize that we're we're living in the end times here and we if there's if there's any time you should always try to get yourself together. But if there's any time, <laughs> if there's any time in world history that should motivate you to, to get yourself together and to repent, it's now. So let's pay attention and uh, let's prepare just like the Bible suggests us to do in Proverbs chapter 20, 22. Verse 3, I'm reading this in the 1965 Bible and Basic English Version. It says, the sharp man sees the evil and takes cover. The simple go straight and, and get into trouble. So even our government's uh, agency for emergencies, FEMA, tells us that we always be prepared for disasters. Then, of course, Yeshua in Luke chapter 17, you can read that on your own, uh, it states that uh, these days are like the days of Noah and Lot. And Noah, what he did is the following in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 7. By faith, Noah, being warned 
or being moved by the fear of God, made ready an ark for the salvation of his family, because God has given because God had given him news of things which were not seen at the time, and through it the world was judged by him, and he got for his heritage the righteousness which is by faith. So we need to follow Noah's example and, and do the best we can to save um, our family from any physical harm, but ultimately the goal is to save our family from spiritual harm. All right, so I'm hoping that I'm making that uh, very clear to you about what we should be doing, what the ultimate focus should be on. Okay, so what we're going to do today, oh, I want to go over some uh, domestic news, the local or national news here in the United States. Um, let's go to the economic collapse blog. i go there now. It's the D economiccollapseblog.com the economiccollapseblog.com um this is an excellent website that I suggest you you check regularly let me see if he has an email no he doesn't um but he does you can actually uh subscribe to his post feed and when you do that on the top of the web page, any new articles uh, that are posted on here, you're automatically receive them. Anyway, it says, the economic collapse, are you prepared for the coming economic collapse in the next Great Depression? And uh, the highlighted this article, the number of private sector jobs fell by 278,000 last month, but the economy is getting better. So let me just read this. Uh, it says, have you heard about the wonderful employment news on numbers that were just released. Last month, the unemployment rate declined to 7.3%. Somehow this happened even though the percentage of working-age Americans with a job actually declined and the number of private sector workers fell by 278,000. So how did the federal government magically produce a drop in the unemployment rate even though less people have jobs? Well, they did it by pretending that more than half of a million Americans dropped out of the labor force last month. If the government is to be to believe the number of Americans that want to work dropped by an astounding 516,000 in a single month, even though the population of our country is constantly increasing. The federal government continues to feed us absolutely absurd numbers month after month, and at this point, the official unemployment rate is essentially meaningless. So he has another headline here. It says, who is going to buy our debt if this war causes China, Russia, and the rest of us, the rest of the world to turn on us? Good question. Is the United States going to go to war with Syria over a natural gas pipeline? Russia has equipped Syria with their most advanced anti-ship missiles. It says the U.S. military does not want to fight for al-Qaeda Christian killers in Syria. So anyway, there's some real good articles on here to keep abreast of what's going on because CNN and ABC and NBC are not going to, and Fox are not going to tell you what the real news is. So, Go to this website. Go to Alex Jones' uh, website, uh, infowars.com, infowars.com, and enlighten yourself and get a real education on what the real news is. Okay. So we got 13 minutes. I'm going to go over what Yom Kippur is and what it represents. Let's turn to Le Leviticus chapter 23. Leviticus chapter 23, and these are all the. Uh, oh, I love this translation. <laughs> Uh, Leviticus 23, verse 1, And the Lord said to Moses, Say to the children of Israel, These are the fixed feasts of the Lord, which you will keep for holy meetings. 
And, again, I, I've had issues where people that don't really understand the Bible think that holy convocation is not a commanded meeting, and this is a, one of the best translations I've ever seen of the word convocation because it does mean meeting. And it says, these are the fixed feasts of the Lord which you will keep for holy meetings. Holy meetings. These are my feasts. And the first feast, which some think it isn't a feast, but it is. Verse 3, on six days work may be done. So we are commanded to work six days. But the seventh day is a special day of rest, a time for worship. You may do no sort of work. It is a Sabbath to the Lord wherever you may be living. All right, so, and then verse 4, these are the fixed feasts of the Lord, the holy days of worship, which you will keep at the regular times. Now, in the King James Version, let me uh, click the verse here. In the King James Version, it says a holy convocation or a holy meeting. I don't know why they didn't include that in this version. That's why, you know, I have to always go back to the King James Version. So, yeah, and uh, the contemporary English version has a correct translation. It says, you have, you have six days when you can do your work, but the seventh day of each week is holy because it belongs to me. No matter where you live, you must rest on the Sabbath and come together for worship. This law will never change. Oh, I love that. <laughs> All right, so let me continue on with the contemporary English version. Uh seems like uh, those English versions, they really bring out the Hebraic meaning of it at that time. Sometimes they don't, but sometimes they do. Okay, so... Let's go down here uh, in this chapter. It talks about the feasts. Uh, today, by the way, is the Feast of Trump, is Yom Teror, and last week I gave a program on that, so please listen to that uh, if you want to know what the day is all about that we're celebrating today. All right, so Leviticus 23, verse 27. The tenth day of the seventh month is the great day of forgiveness, or Yom Kippur. It is a solemn day of worship. Everyone must go without eating to show sorrow for their sins, and sacrifices must be burned. Uh, so on this day, there's no food and water that you should be consuming unless you have health issues. No one is to work on that day. It is the great day of forgiveness when sacrifices will be offered to me so that I will forgive your sins. Verse 29, I will destroy anyone who refuses to go without eating. None of my people are ever to do any work on that day, not now or in the future, and I will wipe out those who do. Verse uh, 32 of Le Leviticus chapter 23. This is a time of complete rest like the Shabbat, and everyone must go without eating from the evening of the ninth to the evening of the tenth. So that's Yom Kippur. And this is going to be just a simple Bible study on this. I can really get into detail about the, the significance of this, but I don't have enough time. So I have to just um, help you to understand, basically, this day in a few verses. But anyway, this day pictures the Messiah, who is a priest. He's a king, and he's a priest. His priestly role. And his priestly role in Hebrews is explained in Hebrews chapter 9. And I'm going to read this in the King James because it's a lot more clear. I'll read it from the beginning. Hebrews chapter 9, verse 1. The very first, and that word covenant was added, had also ordinances of divine service in the worldly sanctuary. What it's talking about is the the first way 
that the um, times of worship was set up with the priests. That's what it's talking about. The first had also ordinance of divine service in a worldly sanctuary. For there was a tabernacle made, the first wearing the candlestick and the table and the showbread. So it's explaining uh, the tabernacle and what was in the tabernacle, which is called the sanctuary. After the second veil, the tabernacle, which is called the holiest of all, which had the golden censer and the ark of the covenant overlaid around about the gold, where it was the golden pot that had the matter and Aaron's rod that budded in the tables of the covenant. So you had the mercy seat, and over it the cherubims of glory, shadowing the mercy seat, of which we cannot speak particularly. So this is all talking about um, <clears throat> a scripture in Leviticus chapter 16, uh, which is something they did on the Day of Atonement, the Day of Atonement on Yom Kippur. And they did this every year. And the priests atoned for his sins and all the children of Israel's sins. Verse 6. Now, when these things were thus ordained, the priests went always into the first tabernacle, accomplishing the service of God. And the first is referring to the tabernacle. Verse 7. But unto the second went the high priest alone once every year, not without blood which he offered for himself and for the errors of the people. All right, so there were two different uh, sections of this uh, tabernacle or sanctuary. And the the other part, he's talking about the holiest of holies. The holiest of holies is, is when the, the high priest went every year during the Day of Atonement and atoned for the sins of the children of Israel, which is prophetically symbolizing the atonement of all the sins of the world, as I'm going to show you here after I get to reading this in Hebrews. So, verse 8, The Holy Spirit this signifying that the way into the holiest, the holiest of all, the holiest of holies, was not yet made manifest while as the first tabernacle was yet standing. Verse 9, which was a figure for the time then present in which were offered both gifts and sacrifices that could not make him that did the service perfect as pertaining to the conscience. See, to really stop sinning, ladies and gentlemen, you have to stop thinking about your sin. And the only thing that can do that is the Holy Spirit. That's the reason why in verse 8 it says the Holy Spirit is signifying. So all the the, the, the sacrifices and, and so forth, the high priest alone every year, not without blood, which he offered himself, for the errors of the people. This is what the Holy Spirit signified. The Spirit of the Messiah is called the Holy Spirit, ladies and gentlemen. And so this symbolizes the Spirit of the Messiah because only the Spirit of the Messiah uh, cleanses you of the errors of your way and cleanses your conscience. All right, so verse 9, which was a figure for the time then present in which were offered both gifts and sacrifices that could not make him that did the service perfect as pertaining to the conscience. Verse 10, which stood only in meats and drinks and various washings and cardinal ordinances imposed until the time of reformation. But Christ being come a high priest of good things to come by a greater and more perfect tabernacle and made, not made with hands, that is to say, nor of this building. Neither by the blood of goats and calves by his own blood he entered in once into the holiest place, or the holy of holies, having obtained eternal redemption for us, or eternal life. Verse 13, For if the blood of bulls and goats, and the ashes of heifers sprinkling the unclean, sanctifying the pure and the flesh, so 
all those sacrifices did was purify the flesh to enter into the presence of God. It did not purify your mind. It did not give you the capability of thinking purely so that you wouldn't sin. Verse 14, how much more shall the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself without spot to God, purge your conscience from dead works, and repentance from dead works is the first basic doctrine of Elohim, which most people do not understand. That's in Hebrews 6, verse 1. And this is what this is talking about here, the, the, the first doctrine, the, the one of the the first basic doctrine of Elohim, verse 14, How much more shall the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself without spot to God, purge your conscience from dead works? <clears throat> that means we should be doing alive works. What type of works are those that we should be doing? We should be, we should be keeping the commandments. Dead works are not keeping the commandments. Alive works are keeping the commandments. Purge your conscience from dead works to serve the living God. And so that's what Yom Kippur is all about. That's what it pictures giving mankind the ability to obey the commandments of Yah. Uh, and we look at Ezekiel, Ezekiel chapter 36. Ezekiel chapter 36. Ezekiel chapter 36. Starting at verse 25, Then I will sprinkle clean water upon you, and you shall be clean. From all your filthiness and from all your idols will I cleanse you. That's what Yom Kippur is all about. In verse 36 of Ezekiel 36, A new heart also will I give you, and a new spirit, and I will put within you, and I will take away the stony heart out of your flesh, and I will give you a heart of flesh. And I will put my spirit within you, and cause you to walk in my statue, and influence you mightily to walk in his statues, and you shall keep my judgment. So he gives you the ability through the Holy Spirit to do that, ladies and gentlemen. And that's, again, that's, what, that's the simplest way I can explain Yom Kippur. All right, and in uh, John chapter 1, John chapter 1, starting in verse 29. Here's another, the simplest way I can explain it. The next day, John sees Jesus coming unto him says, Behold, the Lamb of God, which takes away the sin of the world. That's what Yom Kippur represents to cleansing of sin because intentional sins only only the blood of the messiah his sacrifice can do that can cleanse us from the conscience of sin to, to 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 forget about it i know i've had some some issues and if the holy spirit can make you forget about those things and move on but you got to be careful. You can't go fall back into your vomit because you do that, then you'll start remembering it again. So you have to keep the commandments. That's the key to this whole thing, ladies and gentlemen. You must keep the commandments. Um, and Revelation chapter 22, starting in verse 14, it states the following, Blessed are they that do his commandments, that they may have the right to enter the tree of life, which is symbolic of immortality. That's another Bible study and may enter in through the gates into the city. So it's only those that do his commandments will be able to do that, ladies and gentlemen. In John chapter 2, John chapter 2, starting in verse 1, it says, My little children, these things write I unto you, that you sin not. And if any man sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous. And he is the propitiation, or the Yom Kippur, or the covering for our sins. And not for ours only, but also for the sins of the entire world. 
And hereby we do know that we know him if we keep his commandments. He that says, I know him and keepeth not his commandments is a liar, and the truth is not in him. But whosoever keepeth his word in him, verily is the love of God perfected. Hereby know that we uh, are in him. He that says he abides in him all to himself also to walk even as he walked. So we should be keeping the commandments, keeping the Shabbat and holy days like he did if we call ourselves believers. On this day, the Messiah will land on the Mount of Olives, and he will start separating the sheep from the goats all the way until sin is destroyed. And that, if you want to understand the entire plan of God in a simple way, just read 1 Corinthians chapter 15. It explains the entire plan of God, why we exist, why did the Messiah have to come and uh, sacrifice himself. Actually, 1 Corinthians chapter 15 and Hebrews chapter 2, that, that if you read both those chapters, you, you'll have a, a better understanding of the plan of God than, than most people. So with that, ladies and gentlemen, I must go. I apologize for the interruption. Uh, may Yah bless you and keep you, and Yah willing, I'll be available to you next week. Shalom. Peace. Malachi chapter 4 For behold, the day cometh that shall burn as an oven, and all the proud, yea, and all that do wickedly shall be stubble. And the day that cometh shall burn them up, saith the Lord of hosts, that it shall leave them neither root nor branch. But unto you that fear my name shall the Son of Righteousness arise with healing in his wings, and ye shall go forth and grow up as calves of the stall. And ye shall tread down the wicked, for they shall be ashes under the soles of your feet in the day that I shall do this, saith the Lord of hosts. Remember ye the law of Moses my servant, which I commanded unto him in Horeb for all Israel, with the statutes and judgments. Behold, I will send you Elijah the prophet before the coming of the great and dreadful day of the Lord. And he shall turn the heart of the fathers to the children, and the heart of the children to their fathers, lest I come and smite the earth with a curse.